Welcome into the Daily Illini Sports Podcast. It's Josh Peach and Carson Gordy in Carson, Illinois. Has a bowl game after probably the worst selection show I've ever watched in my life. At the very tail end, it was announced that Illinois is playing Mississippi State on January 2nd in the ReliaQuest Bowl, formerly known as the Outback Bowl in Tampa, Florida. It's a Tampa Bowl. I'm sorry, it's a Florida Bowl. One of two games in Florida. And, you know, it's not the Citrus Bowl. Uh, but I think that Brett Bielma and Illinois are very, very pleased with this. Yeah, this was the best possible bowl that they could have got. Yes. We were scared that they'd get shipped off to, like, the guaranteed rate bowl in Arizona because maybe of a lack of brand. But obviously, you know, the former Outback Bowl had faith in Illinois yep. that they'll show up. And this is big time. You know, playing a good SEC team, playing Mike Leach on January 2nd, this means a lot for Illinois. This is something that no one expected two seasons ago when Brett Bielma was hired. You know, we were talking about, you know, win six games two out of five years, and then we're happy. Yeah. Well, you know, the rebuild is on an upshot, and, you know, it's an exciting day. Came into the year with the projected win total at over under four and a half. Now we got an eight-win team. Yeah. You know, we can say what we want. Arguably should have been a nine- or ten-win team. And coming into the year, if you would have said, oh, like, the maximum you're going to do is the Tax Slayer Bowl, you know, one of those lower six-win The Gator bowls, Bowl, yeah. We would have been like, sure. Like, let's take it year two of Brett Bielma. Why not? And now here we are in a bowl that usually gets an 8-9 win team. You know, maybe three or four days ago we were thinking Music City was a lot more realistic. But the second that, you know, Utah beat USC and knocked him out of the playoff and Ohio State slid into that four spot, it seemed more and more likely that Illinois was going to go to Florida. We were assuming it wouldn't be Citrus because of Purdue. Right. But the ReliQuest is, you know, barely one step below that. And they have a really fun opponent in Mississippi State who's coached by Mike Leach, a great coach who's a weird guy. Brett Bielma's already, you know, expressed his excitement to do press <laughs> conferences with him. And I think this is going to be a really good test for this Illinois team. I think so, too. And Mississippi State is pretty much a much, much better Purdue. Um, Will Rogers, one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. Great, um, you know, completion percentage. This is what Mike Leach does. Everywhere he goes, his quarterbacks are going to throw for 4,000 yards and complete it a lot. You know, you see what happened at Texas Tech with Graham Harrell. You see what happened at Washington State with Gardner Minshew. And now at Mississippi State, he's done with Will Rogers. Um, it's one of the best plug-and-play systems in college football. And it's going to be hard for Illinois to stop because, yes, Illinois has the number one pass, you know, efficiency rating. But against Indiana, they really struggled. Against Purdue, you know, they couldn't touch O'Connell. So... I think this is actually not a great matchup for Illinois. Um, they're probably going to be underdogs. It's all going to be about getting defensive pressure. And honestly, can the offense keep up in a shootout? Yeah. So to just to read Will, Watt, Will Rogers' stats real quick, they're super impressive. He threw for over 3,700 3, yards, 68.2% completion percentage. That's wild. 34 touchdowns with only six interceptions and a 141 rating. That's also really good. But it's also worth mentioning that he's in an air raid offensive scheme, you know, which is Mike Leach's thing. So it it's really hard to, you know, judge the completion percentage and the interceptions for what it is, but regardless, it's still expensive, or uh, it's still very impressive going against, you know, teams like Alabama, Georgia, LSU, all these top-tier, you know, Kentucky top-tier defenses and the likes of that. So, you know, you alluded to it, Illinois has the number one defensive passing efficiency rating in the country while Mississippi State has the 12th highest offensive passing efficiency and you and I were talking about it you know off camera but this should be Mississippi State's toughest matchup you know on paper 
But, but as you and I know, you know, the stats are a little skewed. Illinois might not have Devon Witherspoon or Johnny Newton to stop the pass and get pressure on Will Rogers. So I'm with you. I expect Illinois to struggle a ton. Yeah, you know, we saw it against Michigan State. You know, Illinois thought they would kill the Spartans, and they couldn't touch Payton Thorne. You know, they couldn't get sacks. That's been the saving grace of this Illinois defense all year. So I really just don't see how they're going to slow down Mississippi State too, too much. That's why you need Tommy DeVito to have a really good game. You probably need Chase Brown to play and, you know, you know, get a bunch of yards and eat clock. Uh, is Chase going to play? So that's the question. I think that there are three guys in my mind that I can at least think of off the top of my head that I don't expect to play. Number one is Devon Witherspoon that's because he's going to be a top 30 pick in the NFL draft. If he's not, I think there's something seriously wrong with the scouting. I think he's amazing. He's going to sit because he should be a first-round pick, and if he gets hurt, he's not going to be. Number two is Johnny Newton because yeah. I think that he's probably going to be a second or third round pick. And even though that's not like the first, second round level that Devon Witherspoon's at, that's still an incredible salary. And even though Johnny could come back for another year, that only happens if he gets hurt, in my opinion. He's going to sit. And Chase is the big one because I don't think that anyone at the college level has a great idea as to where Chase is going to get drafted right now. I'd say it's anywhere as high as the third round and anywhere as low as, unfortunately, undrafted because of his size. He's also somewhat dealing with an injury right now, and he didn't play very well against Northwestern when he did get carries. He was their uh, leading carry guy and had significantly less yards than Reggie Love. So I do think that if he plans on going to the draft, he will sit as well. That hurts Illinois because Reggie Love probably can't do to Mississippi State what he did to Northwestern. Um... Beyond those three, I don't see anyone else sitting. Yeah. Obviously, there are going to be some people, like, you know, if Keith Randolph believes in himself and thinks he can be a second, third, fourth-round pick, maybe he'll sit to keep his draft stock high. But I think that, you know, until a couple weeks from now, it's going to be really hard to tell. Yeah, so I guess it's kind of just looking to next year. You know, they got the momentum. You won eight games, could have won the Big Ten West. And now it's like you kind of have to get the pieces together for next season. Yeah. Like, who's going to be quarterback next year? Because what's shocking is... There is a chance that Tommy DeVito, yes, Tommy DeVito is back on campus next year. It's going to be uh, as tough, if not tougher, as it was for Brett to get Alex Palczewski, Palcho back yeah. for whatever number of year he is in now, six or seven or something like that. It's like 24 years old. Um, it's going to be difficult. But Brett Bielema in his press conference on Sunday uh, did express his interest in getting DeVito back. So, yeah, there there is a shot, but you also can't be like, oh, we only want him because that other you know, QB that's, transfer that's what's aren't going to want to look into Illinois. The fact that they stated it publicly, it's, there's either two options. You know, they're just trying to play it safe and get Tommy DeVito for depth. But let's say Tommy does come back and you do bring in another quarterback. Is Tommy really going to get benched if the other guy's better? No. Number two, it could also be they've back-channeled to a bunch of quarterbacks and not a lot of other players have interest. Yeah. So now they're going all in for Tommy DeVito. If DeVito says no, and they don't get a Donovan Leary, if they don't get a Hudson Card, if they don't or get a, a Brennan Armstrong. A Devin Leary. Devin Leary, yeah. His brother Donovan's on De the roster. Brother Donovan. Um, is Art Sikowski going to start next year? It's really tough, man, because he started for a little bit in 2021. He couldn't get Illinois to a bowl game. In 2022, when he did play, it was for two and a half quarters against Iowa. Almost lost that game. He didn't totally sell, but he didn't play very well. He sold. I, I don't think there's as much confidence as with Art being on the roster next year as there is some other guys in question. I'll, I guess I'll just say that. 
If Tommy doesn't come, if they can't get Tommy back and they don't get a transfer quarterback, let's just say this: the Illinois offense next year is going to be historically bad. Well, they're going to get a transfer quarterback. I don't know what his name is, yeah, but they will get some Mac guy. They will get somebody. There's what like dozens of them, if not hundreds, out there. Yeah, they'll find someone. Uh, I don't know. It is interesting that they're still trying to keep Tommy DeVito, and I think that does say something that they have talked to other quarterbacks. Maybe they're not getting as much traction. I think you should, though, because if you look at what Tom DeVito did at the later stages of Syracuse and you saw what he was able to do this year, yes, Illinois didn't score a ton, but that wasn't exactly Tommy DeVito's uh, fault. I think it was a lot of play calling. I think it was running out the clock with Chase Brown. Like, that team could have put up 52 points against Virginia. Yeah. They could have put up 35 against um, Minnesota, Nebraska. They kind of took their foot off the gas. Yes. DeVito's quick release, great completion percentage, smart decision-making. Like, he played very well for Illinois. Yeah. Like, he made Illinois a better team. I would take Tommy DeVito back. I would, too. And, I mean, I, in my opinion, DeVito's worst game of the year, and I think you agree with this, was the Purdue game. He missed some reads. He missed some throws. It was cold. You know, everyone yeah. has a bad game. Against Michigan State in the loss, Tommy did not play poorly at all. Good completion percentage, a lot of yards in there, a couple touchdown passes, very good. Indiana was earlier in the year, I think, you know. He that, was a, that was a bad game, there. but that was beginning. And, in, yeah. and against Michigan, he wasn't given a chance. No, he you did not I, play bad against You and Michigan. I have absolute confidence that if he were given a chance on Illinois' last, last offensive drive, Illinois would have won the game. Yeah. So The guy completes 70% of passes. You tell me he can't throw a five-yard quick slant? On second down? You know what, that's between him and Barry Lonnie, but regardless, Brett even alluding to the fact that they're trying to get Tommy back shows they have all the confidence of him in the world. You'd love for him to have another year with Barry Lonnie. said, I think that they could grow together because there are things Tommy could have improved on in his game, and we know... Uh, grow with the wide receivers. Yeah, grow with the wide receivers, and we know for a fact that Barry Lonnie can grow in his play calling too. So if you get those two together for another year, I think I'm with you where I'd say that's better than Hudson Card, Brennan Armstrong, Devin Leary you know, any other name that we've seen in the transfer portal so far. Like, if Hudson Card from Texas, the dual-threat quarterback, wanted to come to Illinois, yes, they would take him. Yeah. But the schools that you see Hudson Card looking at are Nebraska and some other Blue Bloods. He's probably not going to come. Brendan Armstrong's going to be very desired because you look at what he did two years ago at yeah. Virginia. I mean, he had 31 touchdowns and 10 picks. He was the best quarterback in the ACC. And then with Devin Leary, um... Again, also one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. But his brother goes here. Yes. His brother, Donovan Leary, goes to Illinois. I wonder if they can kind of get their foot in the door with him. It gives them at least a small edge over some other teams that you wouldn't expect to be in the conversation. Like I'll a Cal that. or something. Exactly. Yeah. And I, one thing I will break up that I, bring up that I was thinking about this morning is, of the Blue Blood programs, you know, programs that you would clearly think are a better option than Illinois, how many actually need a quarterback right now? Yeah, like you look at Wisconsin, they need a quarterback. They'd probably get taken over Illinois, Nebraska. But you're right, like Ohio State, Notre Dame, like the big, big programs that you can't say no to, they got high school quarterbacks. Michigan, Alabama, Texas, Clemson, like all these guys, USC, have yes. a quarterback in play right now, and I think that really helps Illinois. I think it also helps Illinois, like we said, the Devin Lear, Donovan Lear connection. I think Brennan Armstrong would really consider Illinois. It's hard to pass up a team that, that you. not only beat you, but uh, killed you last year. And, dude, I felt so bad for him because Me too. he had one of the worst offensive lines. Okay, you remember that conversation we had with uh, the Richmond reporter? Yes, of course. Uh, I'm not going to name yeah. drop here. Very, very knowledgeable guy. Good guy. Yeah, so the guy that works through the Richmond Dispatch, you know, we were talking before the game, and he's like, yeah, Brennan Armstrong's such a good quarterback that 
you know, Tony Elliott's changing the whole offense. You know, instead of throwing deep shots, we're going to try to eat the clock and have a good, quick passing game. Well, that obviously didn't work with Armstrong. No. It really messed up his, you know, progress from last year. So he wants to get out of there. I think that was just a disaster situation for him. So come to Illinois. Come with, you know, a Barry Lunny, you know, that can just tweak a little bit of things. We have talked a couple of times about UTSA's quarterback that he's very good did very him. well against you know with Barry Lunny, but has also been better without him. But with that being said, he and Brendan Armstrong are like the same exact quarterback. Good arms, super mobile. I think that Brendan Armstrong would fit perfectly into a Barry Lunny system, and I'd love for you know Brendan Armstrong to find maybe a not you know maybe not a super top tier coordinator, but like anyone on Illinois level that could have an offense that he'd fit better into. And this is what you can pitch to Armstrong. You're going to have a good running game. Yeah. You're going to have an offense line that can protect you. You're going to have wide receivers that you can grow with. And also, you're going to have a Ryan Walters defense that is going to help you. Yeah. You know, they're not going to be giving up 35 points. You're not going to have to win shootouts all the time. It's going to get you back on the field. Yes, you're coming to an eight-win program that probably should have won 10 regular season games this year. I think an underrated aspect is that not only is Illinois going to have each of their top four receivers back, Sean Miller, out of IMG Academy, will be healthy next year. Malik Elzey? And, and, and we can't say this, but they're going after, you know, we can't say that they're definitely there, but there are guys like Malik Elzey yeah. at Illinois, you know, I think is feeling pretty good about right now for getting in there. You're going to have a decent O-line. Bart Miller's a good coach, and you're getting guys back, and you're, and you're also, you know, in line to get some transfers. Your running game is going to be good. It, you know, the very minimum, a middle-of-the-pack team in the Big Ten with Josh McRae, Reggie Love, maybe Jordan Anderson and Aiden yeah. Lafferty get you know bigger roles next year. And the big one to me, Carson, I think you hit it perfectly, the Ryan Walters defense to not only keep other teams off the scoreboard, but keeps, keep other teams' offenses off the field. It, it, Thank you, Deion Sanders. Yeah, thanks, Deion. Jeez. We owe you. Because if you didn't take that job, Ryan Walters would maybe go to Colorado. Are Josh Whitman and Brett Bielema going to send Deion Sanders in the Colorado ADA uh, Christmas some, card? Add some, you know, a nice food basket. You maybe know? a bottle of wine. Fruits, chocolates, yeah. you know. Like, seriously, Deion Sanders going to Colorado, great for the program. He's going to be able to recruit. You know, they're in a depleted Pac-12. They might start getting automatic playoff bids. Yeah. They were seriously looking at Ryan Walters. Oh, that was yes. considered a very, very top candidate. Where's Ryan going to go now? You know, Cincinnati just hired the Louisville coach. I don't think he's going to take a Tulsa job and try to rebuild it. I think we got Ryan for maybe one to two more years. I agree. I think one to two more years. We have said it a couple times. Colorado, his alma mater, made perfect sense. And then Cincy is a very good stepping stone job. Yes. Well, the best one. Those are both taken up now. They have Deion Sanders and the former Louisville coach. Very, Marcus Satterfield. Very weird, yeah. by the way, that he... Scott Satterfield. Yeah. yeah. Um, regardless, though, yes, they have Ryan Walters. We can get back to Mississippi State for a second here because... You know, I'm thinking about this Ryan Walters defense that even if it doesn't have Devon Witherspoon and Johnny Newton is still very, very strong. But one problem is that, like, maybe this is an advantage for not having Devon. Mississippi State has a very well-balanced receiving attack. They have four guys uh, with 449 yards or more, no one going over 628, so at least it's well-balanced there, where you don't have, like, one guy, like a Trey Palmer from Nebraska who could kill you that you'd need Devon for. But with that being said, like it's I think such that's a, scarier, it's such a well, at least you don't because Devon can cover people like Trey Palmer that no one else can. True, but that two through four can pretty much all do the same thing. So that's why I think that it's you know some advantage. Yeah. I think that we're going to see what you know some of the freshmen or sophomores that are starting to get playing time. Uh, 
you know, on both sides of the ball, Hank Beatty, Matthew Bailey are going to, you know, we're going to see what they're made of. But a dynamic offense like this, you know, even with a Ryan Walters defense, I think is going to be tough. But it's going to be a test it's, because it's an SEC team. It's a top five or six SEC team. And, you know, their recruits are way better than Illinois. So good test on their hands. It's going to be good. You know, it's going to be up to Barry Lunny to score more than 17 points. I don't think you can win a low-scoring game with Mississippi State. That's yeah, not what they no. do. Like, of course, Mississippi State had some duds this year. You know, they lost 30-6 to to Alabama, 45-19 to Georgia. But those are the two top most talented teams in the country. Yeah. You know, you really can't compare it. Mississippi State's going to put up some points. It's going to be up to Chase Brown and Tommy DeVito having a well-balanced attack. Yeah, their uh, defense, I'm trying to pull it up here, isn't anything amazing. They did very, very well against Ole Miss, but that was kind of like an Ole Miss team that was starting to struggle. At the end of the year, I don't have the exact stat up but it, it it's a team that especially if Illinois is at full strength even if you don't have Chase Brown you feel like you will be able to get points up on the board you know yeah, if you give you if especially if they're a little bit more pass heavy you know giving Tommy DeVito a chance you know not I'm not saying run an air raid offense but that's where he succeeds right those short passes where you you know Quick. you can like create a little bit those option plays so I, I'm very excited to watch. I'm not going to, you know, something might change. You know, we'll see what happens with the opt-out situation. I won't be predicting Illinois to win. You have nothing to lose, though. You have, that, that's exactly what so I was So throw the say. ball. You like you're nothing to lose. You're not trying to run out the clock and win a Big Ten West title. Like, no, the season's over. This is a celebration of the year. Congrats. You got here. You're in Florida. Let's throw the ball 40 times. Let's get Isaiah Williams some touches. Because even if you lose by 30, who cares? It you doesn't matter. You haven't been to a bowl in seven years. Last year were five and seven. You're supposed to win four or five games this year. You won eight games. You did everything that yeah. was asked of you and more. You can scapegoat and be like, oh, well, Devin didn't play. You know, John Newton didn't play. Like, bowl games don't matter. Yeah. Like, the game itself. Good for Brett. I'm excited to see all these Mike Leach preface conferences. Oh, dude. That dude's a weirdo, man. I love him, He's though. so, oh, me too. Do you, know his, too. Do, do you know his career path? Texas Tech. No, I mean, like, even before, like, no. how he got into coaching. No. So he went to BYU, wasn't on the football team. He was just a big football fan. He used to watch all the games. He'd be like you and me. And then he went to get his law degree, finished, and he's like, ah, I don't want to be a lawyer. So he gets his master's in coaching from this like weird university. Okay. And then convinces Cal Poly to give him an assistant coaching job. And the rest is history. Wow. Mike That's Leach really has a weird. law degree. Wow. The guy's brilliant. I could see him just being like, Nah, I don't want to be a lawyer. <laughs> I love his I love his takes on um the college football playoff. He wants it sixty four teams. He, he wants it quiet. everyone. Yeah, I love the way he explains it though. And then he has a weird Twitter page too. But it's all in good fun. I'm a big like Mike oh, Leach guy. Mike Leach, any team in the country hires him, you're going to win eight nine games. Yeah, because his offensive system is very complex. He gets quarterbacks that can run it. I'm a big fan of Mike Leach. He won at Washington State, Texas Tech. Yeah. Yeah. Washington State, too. They, that was the worst program in the country. Cliff Kingsbury didn't win at Texas Tech when he had Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Nobody's won at Texas Tech since Mark Leach. He's the only guy that wins there. This guy is a freaking gold mine. I always thought Illinois should have hired him. Like, after Lovey Smith, I was like, Mike Leach, I wouldn't be opposed. Before we go on to basketball, I will say, Carson, there was a part of me that really wanted Illinois to end up in Nashville. Music City. Yeah, the yeah, road trip down there, cover the game, yeah, spent the night in Nashville. Tampa's too far. You know, uh, flights are going to be extremely expensive. The road trip is 
16-ish hours from where we are. You know, the Midwest, it's it's very far, but... As a college student, selfishly, Nashville would have been the most fun. Yeah, this game is also on a Monday at 11 a.m. Like, my father's a teacher back in the suburbs of Chicago. He goes back to school Monday, January 2nd, and they play at 11 a.m. Oh, he can't that, watch the game. That happens every X amount of years. Yeah, dude. I'm every not... time New Year's falls on a Sunday. Sunday. Schools go back. Yeah, he's a high school teacher in the suburbs, so in a public school, so they go back Monday, January 2nd. He can't watch the game. I'll be watching the game. You should call him sick. <laughs> Personal day. Yeah, honestly, you get 10 of them, 12 of them. Oh, yeah, I mean, Nashville would have been cool. You know. They would have been great. So you're telling me the Rose Bowl, which is on at 3 o'clock, and kids are just about to get home for the Rose Bowl? That's nuts. Right, yeah, because they're not going to play on a Sunday. The only games are the uh, Ohio State-Georgia, Michigan-TCU, and, like, one more on actual New Year's Day. It's kind of weird. No, there's none on New Year's Day. There's none this year? No, because it falls on NFL Sunday. So everything gets moved to January 2nd. I just want to saw one January 1st game. Yeah, December 31st and January 2nd. Yeah. What do you think of the playoffs, by the way? Um, I would personally think Ohio State's the third best team, but I understand the argument that you don't want to punish a team that goes 12-0 and and loses a conference title game. Yeah. But just realistically, I mean, Ohio State was considered better than TCU all year. They were undefeated together for 11 weeks. Yeah. Why was TCU never ranked of Ohio State then? And now all of a sudden Ohio State drops a game to Michigan – and now they're worse than TCU. TCU played the extra game. They played an extra game. And the they lost in overtime when that call was controversial. He was in on third and down, the TCU runner. But do they honestly think TCU is better than Ohio State? Probably not. But it takes away from a second, you know, Michigan-Ohio State matchup in three, in three games, I should say. I do think Ohio State has the best chance to beat Georgia out of any of those teams. I know you've said that, so maybe Ohio State should be the three in that case. But I personally would have gone TCU three, Ohio State four. I thought that that's what was deserving. Ohio State got killed at home by Michigan. So I, I think they got it right. Uh, but I think this, these are the most exciting matchups. Oh, yeah. Two great semifinals. Entertainment-wise, you can't complain. I mean, Georgia and Alabama have never played each other in recent history. Maybe, probably never. And they Georgia Ohio State Georgia Ohio State and they have a lot of parallels yeah. you know the Justin Fields they both recruit really well they've both been playoff contenders if you're Georgia this is the scariest game yeah. if Georgia wins this they win the national championship it's, I would yeah. I would almost guarantee it yeah. Ohio State can outscore them mm-hmm. I think Ohio State's going to rejuvenate it they want to yeah. prove themselves wrong after prove people 2015, wrong 2015 Ohio State Alabama vibes why not I mean it's it's up to Ohio State's wide receivers and it's up to CJ to have a good game against good competition. All right, tomorrow night, switching to Illinois basketball. They're playing at Madison Square Garden on ESPN against the number two ranked team in the country. That is Texas. But on Friday evening, Illinois lost at Maryland, the one away stadium in the Big Ten. Brad Underwood has not picked up a win at. I think that's very, very telling of this Maryland team. 71-66, low scoring, as a lot of us imagined. Carson, I I think that the thing that this... uh, game told us the most about Illinois was that offensively they just have so much more clicking to do. Terrence Shannon stopped taking three-point shots, go inside. Coleman Hawkins, you know, he played good everywhere, just wasn't as efficient, you know, shooting the basket. Jay Neps take a step back. You probably forced too many shots that you shouldn't have. You know, shooting's always going to be an issue for Illinois, and that's why you need guys like RJ to just continue to improve. Yeah, I mean, Illinois only shot 25% from three and 44% from the field. Maryland shot 39% from three and also 44% from the field. So that's the difference right there. You had Maryland's guard, Jameer Young, who's only 6'1", by the way, gave Illinois a lot of troubles, which really bothers me because my main thing about Illinois this year 
coming into the season was that I thought that their length defensively was going to give them the advantage that they had over other teams, specifically in the Big Ten. Illinois doesn't have anyone on the roster that's 6'1". I think that the defensive matchups for them should never have a guy that is only 6'1", scoring 24 points on you and being the other team's leading scorer. Which, you know, leads to my point about the switch-everything defense, which I think is very, very flawed. But with that being said, Maryland still only scored 71 points, but Coleman was hot early in the game offensively, and he cooled down a ton. Like you said, Terrence Shannon, it was 0 for 5 from 3. R.J. Melendez scored 13. He had a little little bit of a breakout. But other than that, no one could really get going on offense. No one could take good shots. You had Jaden Epps shoot 1 for 5 from the field, no for 2 from 3. And we, when you can't get anything going against a really well-coached, well-defensively coached team in Maryland, you're not going to win those games. But lucky for Illinois, it's early in the year. It's only the first conference game. It's early in the year, but realistically, is Matt Mayer ever going to pick up a shot? We don't know. I don't know. Can Dane is a victim of a point Like, a point guard has to feed Dane's danger. He's yeah. not going to create his own shot. Um, Jay Neff's inconsistent. Ty Rogers doesn't shoot. The only people that you really have faith in to shoot the ball is Terrence Shannon getting to the basket, Coleman Hawkins in the paint, and RJ from outside. And I'll throw in Jaden Neps. Yeah. This is RJ's chance to really become an elite Illinois player. Like, I, you yeah. felt disrespected last year. You felt like you didn't have a big role. Well, the team needs you now, and you've shown capabilities of scoring at a high level. You know, instead of taking seven shots, start taking 14. The free throw shooting was better. They were seven for eight. That's way better than what we saw in Vegas. So, you know, at least that was a little better. And what we saw in Illinois' most recent game. I can't even remember who they played. Oh, Syracuse. It was terrible against Syracuse. No, they didn't shoot well. It's just Syracuse was no, that bad. It, they were just that bad. But I, I do want to ask you, Carson, just because it's really bothered me with the switch everything defense because I know that you know this is very controversial people have different takes on it but when I think of Illinois I'm thinking wow their starting lineup goes 6-3-6-6-6-7-6-8-6-9 you bring people off the bench that are about the same height and you have that immediate advantage height and athleticism and length wise so why do the switch everything defense especially with little guards like a 6-1 guy that could get switched onto someone bigger and slower like Dane Danger or Coleman that maybe can't handle him. Yeah, I don't know. It, you know. it really bothers me. Like I, I'm very, very critical of it and I'm yet to see it work to the fullest extent. You should ask Brad. Well, Brad was sort of asked about it and he said that one of his regrets late in the game because when Maryland hit the dagger three, they did not switch that and he said that that's because Dane was in the game and he rather they would have switched it. Really, to me, that's not the issue. Terrence Shannon shouldn't have gone under the screen. Why leave a three-point shooter open? He went under the screen when he could have easily gone over it. So I don't think that's a switch issue. I think that's a going over or under the screen issue. Like, Brad said he thought they lost the game potentially because they weren't switching. I would argue what got them back in the game was when they went to the full-court press and they weren't switching as much. I'm very critical of it. They had a chance, too. They just couldn't make shots at the end. Yeah. You know, Jay Nemps shot up a really bad three-pointer with no time left, and Sorry, Terrence Shannon kind of had a disappointing game. He did. You expect more. Coleman, all around, he was an absolute beast. Yeah. You know, shots just weren't falling. It Col- happens. Yeah. Like It's early in the year. I mean, the offense clearly isn't all put together, which makes me think that the defense isn't all put together either. You know, they still have work to do there. Well, so Matt was in foul trouble, and so was um, Jay and Epps got in yeah. a lot of foul trouble. Right. And that really hurt depth, you know. It was just all around just not a great game. I'm just really hoping. You know, I think the offense will eventually come together. There's not too much, like, scheme-wise I can be as critical of. But with the defense, like, if they do ride with the switch everything for the rest of the year, like, it seems like they're going to, I really just hope they find a way to figure it out to the fullest extent. Like, against Syracuse, 
I was watching Sky Clark get switched onto a big, and then when he and, say, Matt Mayer's guy were both off the ball, mm-hmm. they would, you know, communicate and switch. I didn't see that as much against Maryland. Maryland was also off-ball screening Illinois to get three-point shooters in the first half. I don't know if you remember that happening with the one guy with the very funky release. His name is Hakeem Hart, who started hitting threes, which he had not been known to do. So, But when you get guys wide open, it's easy to make a three. So I, I'm concerned with the switch-everything defense, but like I said, hopefully the defense just has more to put together in general and we can see them uh, bounce back, which they're definitely going to need to do in their next game because they're facing the second-ranked team in the country in Texas. Yeah, you know, Texas great guard play. Marcus Carr, former Minnesota Golden Gopher, is having a bounce back year. You know, he's scoring 15 points a game. And Texas has a phenomenal defense. I mean, Chris Beard's team is always going to have great pressure on you. They're going to force bad shots. If Matt Meyer doesn't make a couple three-pointers, if Coleman misses underneath, uh, Texas doesn't look good. Yeah, well, Texas is very guard-heavy in their scoring. Tyrese Hunter and Marcus Carr, their leading scores with 16 and 15.5 points a game, respectively. And then you have Serge Abari Rice. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that properly, but he's a 6'4 senior. So you have kind of those like tinier guards leading your team. Uh, they shoot the three ball really well. And the main time that I watched Texas this year was when they were at home against Gonzaga. And Mark Few and Gonzaga let Tyrese Hunter and Marcus Carr shoot whatever they wanted, whenever yeah. they wanted. And because of that, Texas put up 90 you know, points because when you let Texas players shoot, they're going to make them. And with that being said, they're going to score almost 100 points. So Illinois is, I think, really going to get tested uh, defensively. It's going to be tough. Good game, though, Madison Square Garden. It's going to be really good. 6 o'clock Tuesday. Tuesday night. That's tomorrow night as we're recording this on ESPN. It's the primetime game. I think Iowa and Duke are the other game in that uh, Jimmy V Classic. But it, it's going to come down to, in my opinion, the offense clicking. Yep. Right? Like, I don't – I think that – Hopefully they bounce back on these guards. You know, Carr and Tyrese Hunter both shoot 37% from the field, and I don't think that uh, Texas is the type of team that will kill you with their bigs. They do have two bigs that are averaging eight points a game each, but they're 6'9 and 6'8, so they're not, you know, any monsters like Zach Eady or Kofi or Hunter Dickinson or anything like that. So don't let Tyrese Hunter and Marcus Carr shoot. Uh, find something going offensively. I hate to say it, but that's, you know, that that's – the reality of the situation, game. like Dane Danger, maybe will have to have a big game coming off the bench. He's uh, the beginning of the year is starting to look like an outlier. Yeah, scoring that many points. I like Dane; he's efficient, but he's not going to create his own stuff. Like he's not going to get 15 shots a game. Like he's limited against UCLA when he played really well. They were kind of a similar team height and matchup wise to Texas. I, yeah, I, Texas, I, Texas is the number two team in the country. They're a lot more efficient, better defense. This is going to be a tough game for Illinois. But this I think that Illinois is really going to test Texas, too. I think this is going to be Texas' toughest challenge just because of the length and athleticism that Illinois has. Like They're not scoring 90 on Illinois. No. I'd be extremely disappointed if Texas won this game like 90-70 to 70, you know, or something like that. Yeah. But, hey, they're the number two ranked team in the country. Like They're there for a reason. Like we said, Chris Beard is... An amazing coach, you know, he's going to give Illinois, he's going to throw everything at Illinois' offense possible with his defense that we've seen at Texas Tech and a much improved defense this year at Texas, by the way. It's going to be really tough. Good game. It's going to be a very good test for Illinois, I think. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for today's episode as more football news comes out, you know, about the Bulls, players, transfers, whatever. We'll have updates on that as Illinois games are played. We will recap and preview more of those, and that's all going to be here. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been the Daily Illini Sports Podcast.